Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Welcome to week number two of Breaking the Silence. Anybody ready for a word from God today? I'm excited about the message today. Um, This series kind of kicked off last week, and and part of the reason we started this is I've noticed a trend um, that the enemy has been working overtime to silence the people of God, and not just silence what we say or post or do, but how many know he wants to silence our worship? He wants to silence our praise. And so we kicked the series off talking about house wars. And we looked at, in the Old Testament, uh, contrasted the house of Saul and the house of David. The Bible says that the, the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker, while at the same time the house of David grew stronger and stronger. And we know prophetically speaking that God says, I'll manifest my glory and my presence through houses that look like the house of David. And the difference or the contrast is that Saul was a house of pride while David was a house of pardon. And Saul was a house of performance while David was a house of presence. Saul was a house of position while David was a house of praise. And you can see in that contrast that because Saul's house was built on pride, performance, and position, it got weaker, but because David's house was built on pardon, the presence of God, and praise, his house got stronger. How many of you are thankful to be a house that's getting stronger? Anybody thankful to be a part of a house that's getting stronger? Not weaker, but stronger. And so today I want to talk to you about the why of worship. The why of worship. And I want to start today with a question because some of the most important moments in your life are spurred by questions. Questions like, Will you go to prom with me? I mean, that's a big moment. Um, Will you accept this position? Will you marry me? That's a good one, right? Karen said, yeah, you'd marry me again? I don't mean to put you on the spot or anything, but she said yes. How about would you like fries with that? Very important, right? Very important question. These are all very important questions, but what is the why when it comes to your worship? What is the why? And this is important because we can learn how to go through the motions of worship without offering worship. We can learn the songs. We can learn how to clap on beat. We can say amen to the preacher. We can do all the things that make it look like we are in worship and still be absent of God's presence if we cannot answer the why of our worship. I believe that many people have lost their why when it comes to worship. When it comes to spiritual things, we need to understand that it's not enough just to do the right thing. You have to do the right thing for the right reason. It's important. God is always concerned about the why. Hit your neighbor and tell them the why matters. The the why matters. The why of worship matters. And some in this room, they know why they worship. They know why 
um, they lifted their hands and their voice and and why they might have danced a little bit today. They, they understand why they praise God, but there are many that have lost their why. And maybe you're here and you would admit today that you sang the songs, but you would have to admit that even though the words were crossing your lips, they were not piercing your heart. Or maybe you become so used to making worship happen for other people that you never enter into worship yourself. Or maybe you admit that you just don't get the whole worship thing. It wasn't a part of your tradition. It wasn't a part of your upbringing. And maybe you even think that it's just for the expressive people, the outgoing types. And no matter where you fall on that spectrum today, I want to leave you with the why of worship because we cannot afford to minimize the power of worship. I need to say up front that worship is not about filling up time in a service. It's about filling our lives with the presence of God. And, and a lot of us, we come to, to church and we say things like, I just wish we would get through the music so we can get to the important stuff. We need to get to the Word of God. And I totally agree, the Word of God is very important. But what you have to understand is that God is getting nothing out of my preaching today. He's not receiving anything from my preaching. But do you know what he received? Your worship. If you participated, worship is the only thing God gets out of this service. It's not my preaching. It's not what I bring to the table. It's our worship. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. Your worship is so valuable that it grabs the attention of both God and the devil. It gets God's attention. And it gets the devil's attention. You should know that God looks for worshipers. He is actively seeking worshipers. In John chapter 4, verse 23, it says the Father is looking for those who will worship him. Meaning that anytime you worship, you have God's full attention. Anytime you lift your voice, anytime you lift your hands, anytime you speak out a praise in the direction of your father, that, that he, you have his undivided attention. Maybe you're here today and you need God's attention. You need God's attention in your career or in your marriage or in your parenting or emotions. Consider this, that when God hears your voice, he takes up residence where there's praise. And so God doesn't determine where he's going to live by logging on to Zillow. God determines that by our worship. He inhabits the praises of his people. He lives where there's praise. But just like God is looking for worshipers, the enemy looks for worshipers. There's no subject more sensitive to the devil than worship. After all, Lucifer was the worship leader of that heavenly praise team before he got kicked out. And so he's always around worship, trying to influence it, trying to distract us, trying to silence our worship. Every time the subject of worship comes up, the enemy will show up. And that was true with Jesus. If you look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship, everybody say worship, 
worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So you, you, you see Satan showing up in the realm of worship in the life of Jesus, but he also showed up in this realm with the disciples. In Luke chapter 22, verse 1, it says, Now the festival of unleavened bread called the Passover. Now I'm going to stop there and just inform everybody. This was a time of worship. All right, everybody say time of worship. Okay, this was a time of worship was approaching, and then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the 12. So there's worship going on, but at the same time, the enemy is showing up. It was true with the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. It says, because of these surpassing great revelations, what were the revelations? He saw heaven worshiping. That's what Paul saw. He said, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. So what we have to understand, if we can see worship, when the area of worship that Satan would show up in the life of Jesus, the life of the disciples, and in the life of the apostle Paul, we have to understand that the same is true for you and I, that when we worship, the enemy is going to show up. Zechariah chapter 3 verse 1 says, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest. Now, everybody say high priest. Now, in the Old Testament, you had defined high priest, but how many know we're not old covenant Christians? We are new covenant Christians, and the new covenant, everyone is a priest. And so it's not just Joshua. The New Testament says you are a priest. And he goes on to say here, Standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. And this is a picture of what happens every time you and I choose to worship, the enemy will always stand beside us hoping to influence our reason for worshiping. He wants to influence that. We've all heard his voice in the middle of worship. And what, what usually happens is the enemy wants to bring up things to keep us from worshiping. You begin to worship and the enemy will show up and start speaking about your failures. Why are you worshiping? Don't you remember what you did? You, you're not worthy enough to worship. You're not holy enough to worship. If he doesn't speak to your failures, how many of sometimes he will speak to your circumstances? And he will say things like, you're in a tough season right now. Life has been bad. It, it's been a terrible season that you've been in. And because of that, because of your circumstances, you don't have to worship in this season. You can just wait until your season changes. But what I have learned over time is that I can't afford to wait until my season changes in order to worship, that sometimes my worship is the gateway to change my season. Somebody give God a praise right there. Your worship can change your season. He'll speak about our failures, our circumstances. He will speak to us about our schedules and say things like, you're too busy. You got too much to do. Take some time off. Have you ever heard of that? Take time off of worship. I mean, we get crazy in church. It's like almost like, well, God's not worthy in this season because I need a break. If it's not failure, circumstances, schedules, it's our preferences. Some of us, what influences us is our preferences. It's our styles. We don't really enjoy the style. And so we sit there with our hands in our pocket when they're singing something we don't really like, and we wait for them to sing the song we like. What are we doing? We're making worship about us, and we have become God. 
Because it's now about our preferences, not about him being worthy. We come into church and we say, it's too loud. Put some earplugs in. We have them. Some of y'all ain't even going to play, are you? You're not even going to play. Put some earplugs in. It's too loud. Well, they don't sing the kind of song. I didn't know that we had to create a set list based on your preference. I thought that we had to create a set list based on lifting Jesus up, on glorifying God. I thought at the end of the day that's what we are supposed to do. And so nothing will disarm the power of worship quicker than measuring it by our preferences. And I hate to bust somebody's bubble today, but this is going to bust some bubbles. There is no biblical style of music. The music style says more about you than it does God. God loves all styles from banjos to dope beats, from Hillsong to hymns, because he gave all the gifts to all the creativity and he produced all the styles. It says more about you than it does God. God likes it all if it lifts him up. Now, does that mean that, you know, I might tend to lean toward a certain kind? Yeah. But if I, I, I can only worship when they play my song, I'm a problem. I prefer singing what we sing around here. But do you know if, if the Gaithers showed up and led us in worship, my hands would still be lifted, I would still be clapping, I would still be worshiping God because it's not about preference or style, it's about the one who brought us out. It's about him. When we make worship about us, we communicate to God that worship is for us. Worship isn't about me because at the end of the day, I did not hang the stars, I did not tell the ocean how far it could come, I didn't heal my own body. I didn't provide for myself. I didn't do any, and I definitely didn't endure the cross. There is only one who did all of that. So worship is not about me. Worship is about the one who made a way for me. That's what worship is about. We, we, we got to be careful that we don't allow the enemy to influence our worship because he wants to steal our why. Our why we worship. He wants to steal that. When, when we lose our why, we start talking about style and preference. It's too loud. It's not loud enough. I don't like all these lights and all that stuff. You've made it about you. It's more about you than it is Jesus. And so we got to get past those things because worship has the potential when we understand our why that it can change our attitude, our atmosphere, and it can advance our destiny. All through the power of worship. So knowing our why is important. So I want to give you four things of knowing our why, and I'm going to be done quick. Last week I had 14 pages of notes. Today I have eight. So hit your neighbor and say, this ain't going to take long. This ain't going to take long. We're going to get to the point, and I'm going to get out of the way. Uh, so when it comes to why worship, number one, because it's what I was created to do. I'm created to worship. Anthropologists note that worship is a universal urge. The desire to connect with God is something that we are all hardwired to do. Worship is as natural as eating and breathing. And the truth is, is that we all worship something. If you're not worshiping God, I promise you, even if you say I'm an atheist, you're still worshiping something. 
whether it be success or pleasure or sports or possessions. But at the end of the day, Jesus is really the only one worthy to receive worship. We all show affection and we give attention and adoration to certain things. And I don't want you to get nervous because God is not against you and I spending time or money or energy doing things that we love. God simply wants you and I to love him more than we love anything else. That's, that's the crux of it. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, we kind of we get a glimpse as to what God's purpose is for you and I. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Now look at all those terms. You're chosen, you're royal, you're a holy nation, you're God's special possession. That's, that's all wonderful. It's all powerful. But why are we th- those things? He clarifies You're all those things that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Again, you are a priest. That doesn't mean you need to go out and buy a collar and perform a wedding ceremony this upcoming weekend. That's not what I'm saying. But we are priests, and what do priests do? They are people that worship God, but they also help others worship God. God. God never intended his priesthood to be restricted to a few people of pedigree. He has called us to be priests so that our lives will teach an entire generation how to worship God. That's why God has called us to be priests, that we worship and we help others worship. You say, well, he got all those angels. You know, they worship all the time. Isn't that enough? Well, you offer him something that angels can't. Worship by choice. I dare somebody to choose to worship God right now. Come on, take about 10 seconds and make a decision. Make a choice that God is worthy to be praised. I worship not because I have to. I worship because I want to. It's my choice. See, God wants to hear your heart. In rooms like this filled with hundreds of people, we think I'm just part of the crowd. But you've never been just part of the crowd to God. Why? Because he created you uniquely. There ain't nobody else on the planet like you. And he created you to worship him. I'm created. Why worship? I'm created to do so. Number two, because of who God is. Often we forget how great God is because we let our circumstances dictate our worship. But circumstances change. The character of God never changes. Our situation may look bad, but God is never bad. God is always good. He never lies, he never leaves, and he never fails. And he's worthy of our worship regardless of our circumstances. In the book of Revelation, we are given a dual picture of both heaven and earth surrounding worship. And no matter what is happening in the earth, God is being worshipped. When the saints have victory, God is praised. When the saints face trials, God is praised. When there's plagues, God is praised. When there's pestilence, God is praised. When there's wars, God is praised. When the Antichrist comes, God is praised. When the Antichrist is cast down, God is praised. So don't let your worship be based on what kind of week you've had. Let worship be based on the God that you have. 
I know I'm a little strong today, but I got to drive this bad boy home. I long for a church that when we gather together, it's that the sound of worship is deafening. Because in, in those kind of, when you, when you, when people exalt God and bring him the glory and the honor that's due his name, God gets in a healing mood. He gets in a delivering mood. God starts doing miracles. We sang about it. When I open up my mouth, miracles start breaking. And some of us, we sing that and we don't believe it. We just, when I, I ain't going to sing. We just mouth it out a little bit. But what if we lifted him up with passion and a level of tenacity, knowing that when we open up our mouth, that miracles start breaking out? What, what if we worship God where we, to the point that we forgot about the people around us? I worship God because I'm created to do so and because of who God is. And number three, I worship because of who I used to be. Oh, that's good right there. See, I know what God delivered me from. I know what God has forgiven me of. I know what God brought me out of. I, I know the times God provided when I, I didn't see a way of provision. I, I know all the times God has, has come through. And I realize that some of you come from more reserved traditions and some are naturally less expressive. And occasionally some people will show up to, to our church and they'll, they'll look around and they see all of this and the music and the voices and the hands and all that stuff. And they say things like, this looks more like a show than worship. But worship is not a show. It shows that we've been set free. That's what worship is about. It reminds me of a sign that's posted outside the U.S. Marine Corps Air Station in North Carolina. And as you enter the town, it is common to hear the deafening sounds of the jets flying over the interstate as they land on this base. And to acknowledge the sound, the Marines posted a sign that reads, Pardon our noise, it's the sound of freedom. Come on, somebody. Pardon our noise. Because it's the sound of freedom. Don't judge my praise unless you know what God has brought me out of. Don't judge that person that's worshiping God because that's an addict who's been set free. Come on, church. Pardon our praise. Come on. This noise is our freedom. It's a picture of what God brought us out of. I can't help but worship. Because I know who I used to be. Anybody feel me right there? Do you know who you used to be? Some of y'all are so holy, dignified. It's almost like you came wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger. But you ain't all that. He has brought us out. He has been good to us. And one of the, my heart's desires is that revival break open in this region and thousands of people come to know Jesus, that drug addicts are set free, that those that have been in bondage for 30 years are set free, that sick bodies are healed. And listen, that, that kind of environment has to, the only way to produce that, there has to be a sound of worship. I, I worship because I'm created to do so because of who God is and because of who I used to be. And as the worship team comes, I told you I wouldn't be long. Number four, 
I worship because of what I'm facing. Because of what I'm facing. In the Old Testament, when people needed to meet with God, they would go into the temple and there were specific rules for worship. Rules for how they would approach the presence of God. In Ezekiel chapter 46, you can check this out. I'm going to read a couple verses to you of it. But it says in verse 9, But when the people come in through the north gateway to worship the Lord during the religious festivals, they must leave by the south gateway. I want you to notice, if they came in the north gate, they had, it was a rule, you have to leave through the south gate. And those who entered through the south gateway must leave by the north gateway. They must never leave by the same gateway they came in, but must always use the opposite gateway. In the Old Testament, that was a ritual that the New Testament has made a reality. In the Old Testament, you physically could not leave the place of worship the same way that you came in. But in the New Testament, today, spiritually, you cannot leave worship the same way that you went in. Today, because of worship, you are coming in one way and you are leaving a different way. You came in in confusion, but you're leaving with clarity. You came in depression, but you're leaving with joy. You came in fear, but you're leaving with peace. You came in broken, but you're leaving whole. Come on, somebody, make a little noise in this church. If you're going to leave differently, then you came in. Go ahead and stand with me. Go ahead and stand with me. Oh, I need about 10 more seconds. Come on, give him a praise. Come on, if he's been good to you, if he's saved you, if he's healed you, if he's provided for you, he's worthy of our worship. When we worship, Things have to change. So many times we settle and it's because we we rehearse things over and over. We talk about them over and over. And it's the same problems and the same stuff. And we wonder why it never changes. But if we could ever enter into the place of worship, we'll understand that when our hands go up, the enemy is put down. When I release praise out of my mouth, the enemy has to retreat. When I lift up Jesus, he lifts me out of frustration and fear. And when I declare God's goodness, his glory will flood my life and every situation connected to me. I leave differently than I came when I worship. Worship is powerful. It can change your season, your attitude, your destiny. It can change everything connected to you by learning how to get into the presence of God and lift him up. He said, if I be lifted up, watch this, I will draw all men unto myself. I'll draw all men unto myself. You come get this, thank you. I want you to take just a moment. You take this, Jason, thank you. Take just a moment. I'm gonna do a couple of things right here. Um, I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. Close your eyes, no one looking around. Um, If you're in this room today and you're not in relationship with Jesus, 
I want to give you an opportunity to do what Ezekiel 46, 9 says, that we came in one way, but we left a different way. You may have came in today destined for hell, but you can leave destined for heaven. That, that can be your reality today. And so as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around. I won't embarrass anyone, but you do have to be honest with where you're at. And, and if you need Jesus, you gotta, you got to make that known. So if you're here and you say, that's me, Pastor. I need his grace, his forgiveness. I need to be saved. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that's, that's me, Pastor. You're talking to me. I need to make some things right with God today. Anyone at all, you would say, that's me. One over here, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Another one here, God bless you. Awesome, awesome. I see these hands now. There you are. They were pointing, I couldn't see. Awesome. You can be a part of this as well. We want to pray as a family. We're going to pray this together because we've all been where they, they are right now, where they're coming into a relationship with Jesus. So it's not difficult, but I want everybody to lift their voice and let's, let's pray this with a little authority today as we celebrate people coming into the kingdom. So if you would, right there where you are, say this, say, Dear Jesus, I come to you, a sinner. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I ask you, come into my heart. Forgive me for all my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate those that made that decision. So good. If you made that decision to follow Christ, I want to refer to that Connect card one more time. There's a Connect card in the seat back in front of you. Take a minute, jot your name down, check the box that says I'm giving my life to Christ. And in the back left, my left, your right of the room, we have a table set up and someone there to serve you. They will help you take your next step. They'll put a brand new Bible in your hand. Uh, we just want to celebrate with you and you can do that um, between now and the end of the service at any point. Uh, and we will help you take, take that next step. Next thing I want to do, I want the prayer team, if you would, and staff, if you would go ahead and get in place. We're going to do this a little bit different. We're going to be utilizing the sidewalls of the sanctuary today. And the reason for that is some people sitting in the back, it's a little easier for them to slip over and not have to come down front and all that stuff. So we're going to ask that if you need prayer, that you kind of go to the aisles on the very ends of the sanctuary. But here's what I want to do with the altar time today. Not just to pray over needs that you have. We want to do that every single week. But I believe that many of you need to make a step in your worship. That you need to, you need to make a step. Like this, this is not just, man, that was such a good message. And you still sit there like a knot on a log. Can I say that? You still sit there with your hands in your pocket. You still sit there, I don't know what, it's, what all this is all about. But you take a step. And so I, I just want to encourage you, this altar space is open. And sometimes just getting out of your seat and walking down and lifting your hands, listen, you, you grab, this is what's so important, you grab the attention of your Heavenly Father. And the truth is, many of you need to get His attention today. And you can do that in, so quick through your worship. 
the worship team, I'm, I, before, as they get ready to sing, can we just lift our hands and prepare our hearts for what God wants to do right now in this moment? I'm going to walk off the platform and the worship team's going to begin leading us. Let's worship God together. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.